Okay. Yeah. How do I start the show? <laughs> I should have. I've got puppets. Actually, the kids have like puppets. I should have actually brought a puppet along with me and uh, and held them up in the frame and uh, talk talked through my alter ego. I actually was performing as a puppet last night. I have a I have a sock there, but it's a bit sort of sticky. <laughs> Will that do? It's the gym. <laughs> you know, I don't think this show is suitable for children. <laughs> I'll use small words that you'll be sure to understand, you warthog-faced buffoon. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. (gasps) What did you say? You are a sad, strange little man. Don't call me stupid. Hello and welcome to The Best Bits, a movie podcast where each week we pick our favourite scenes from randomly selected, weirdly specific themes... This is your co-host Kevin, a writer of one and a bit films, three and a bit episodes of TV. And as always, I'm joined by my favourite Muppet, a writer of three Aww. films, okay. plus a Christmas special, Will Collins. Hiya, Kevin. <laughs> I got no hands stuck up my bum. You what? I don't have a hand stuck up my bum. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Will, I'm very worried about this episode. Why? Why would you possibly worry? This is this is the Muppets. The reason I'm nervous is it's just the two of us. Can we do this? I doubt it. <laughs> it's been a whole season of guests and now it feels very drafty in here. It's just the two of us again. It's like the guests have gone home. I feel like there's more room for activities. I just kind of wanted to hop on the different seats and I just want to stretch my legs. And Stepbrothers. Oh, yeah. I'm feeling this. I'm feeling this. Space. I, can just, I can just undo the top button on my pants. I can just relax a little bit. The muffin top's happening. Yeah, let's just stretch out and enjoy the space and the, the freedom, Kevin. The guests have left. I feel rusty as all hell because this is the first episode this season that I've hosted where we don't have a guest. And... Oh my god, man, I have to say, this season, right, when we did the Whodunits episode, I was, like, in heaven. We were going right through all these movies that I hadn't seen before, and it was, like, just uncovering gem after gem after gem. And with the Muppets last week, when we got this topic, I thought, this'll be easy. This is, a uh, there's not many Muppet movies. There's tons of Muppet content. But I didn't realise how much I would come away with a whole new appreciation for Jim Henson and what he pulled off. And how special the Muppets are, because right now, no word of a lie, Will, I would die for the Muppets. <laughs> I'd die for them. They are a gift. And I think if you've got kids out there, if you don't have kids, go back and revisit the movies. Yeah. Go back and sort of just like let them wash over you because the messages behind what the Muppets represent and the, the, the ethos of the Henson Company, it's really special, I think. And in terms of pop culture... I think the Muppets just, the world is better that the Muppets exist and every childhood should have the Muppets in them, especially the OG Muppets. Oh, Kermit, Miss Piggy, Fozzie, uh, absolutely. Um, and of course, like it is all, like, you know, it's it's Jim Henson. It's it's, it's his soul, uh, I suppose, externalised to the world through, you know, his art and his craft. But they were brilliant. They were absolutely fantastic. That was the thing. I didn't realise, you know, because when you grow up and you sort of, you have Jim Henson and you're always seeing that sort of credit appear when, mm. whenever the Muppets are on, whether it's the Muppets or Fraggle Rock or Sesame Street or what have you, and you see that credit. You sort of just take it in as, it's like a brand. 
you separate the brand from the person. But as I was like diving into the history of the Muppets and what it took for them to get the, the original TV show up and running. It's the Muppet Show with our very special guest star, Mr. Steve Martin. And get it on the air. This was an independently produced TV show that was kickballed and scrambled to begin with, where they didn't even have the budget to bring in guests to London where they were shooting. It's time to play the music. It's time to light the light. It's time to meet the Muppets on the Muppet Show tonight. Because they didn't have the support in the in the US for the show. Yeah. To get it up and running, where by the, the its heyday from 1976 to 1981, in those five years, it became the most popular TV show on the planet. It was watched by 230 million people. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it was watched all over the world. It was a hit everywhere. I remember, girl, I do remember growing up the odd time. that It was only on the BBC, I'm pretty sure. We didn't have it on RTE channels. But there was an odd time when we did, when I did manage to see BBC and it used to be on a Sunday night. And it was like... Is that when it was on? Okay. It was on a pretty... Because I have a memory of watching it. I'm pretty sure it was on a Sunday night, yeah. Maybe I'm wrong, but it was a weekend show. It was like, uh, you know, the weekend programming. All the best stuff was on the weekend, or at least for me anyway, it was always the, the, the best stuff was on at the weekend. And The Muppets Show was a prime show. And it was a half hour long, if I'm right. And mm-hmm. you really did feel like it was something special an event that every time you watched it it wasn't shoddy it was bursting with creativity and fun and laughs and the the comedy was mature but also silly enough that it played to me and my parents it was great anything you can do i can do it was Saturday Night Live for a family audience. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the the, um, the puppeteers and the writers on that staff actually worked on Saturday Night Live. But I have a memory, because it was on reruns on the BBC for a long time. Because I can remember sitting on my dad's lap and watching The Muppet Show. Now, my dad would not sit down and watch, like, He-Man with me or The Flintstones or what have you. Mm. But... We'd watch the Muppet Show together. Absolutely, yeah. It was definitely a shared, a shared viewing experience. Yes, I can. No, you can. Yes, I can. No, you can. Yes, I can. No, you can. Yes, I can. Oh, yes, you can. And so, like from those humble origins, where they were just getting enough money to make an episode at a time, even if they had never done another thing, or even if Jim Henson had never done another thing, that would have cemented him in pop culture forever, because there was nothing else like it before it, then, or no. And some people know will compartmentalize them and they'll say Sesame Street are separate from the Muppets and Fraggle Rock is separate from the Muppets and what have you, but they are all Muppets. It's just that they're split off into different brands. But if mm-hmm. we're talking about like Kermit, Miss Piggy, those guys, they did 11 TV series, so 120 episodes of The Muppet Show. They did eight feature films, which I guess we're going to talk about. They did two TV mm-hmm. movies and they did 26 specials. So those are like the Christmas specials and uh, the musical specials they do, like Miss Piggy's Variety Hour and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. they've never really left pop culture from sort of getting their start in the 50s on the the Sam and Friends show. WRC-TV, Channel 4, Washington. Sam and Friends is brought to you by... Ask her. 
so when so this is where I'm not I'm a bit fuzzy on my my history. So Kermit was Kermit the Frog the first character Jim Henson became I suppose famous for having. Yeah, well so Kermit was his character that was the one that he identified the most with and I watched a really great documentary series on YouTube on I think it's Defunct TV is the name of the channel. Um, and it's all mm-hmm. about the history of Jim Henson and the Henson Company and the Muppets themselves. And it covers his basically early start with the, the, the company, getting the, the family together, the troop of puppeteers that became the, the characters that we know and love, uh, right up until mm-hmm. his passing in 1990, where he died sort of very suddenly of just pneumonia. He just picked up a, a bad boat of pneumonia and it just whipped him. Wow. And you know, you're sitting there and you're thinking, this is the Muppets, it's, it's fun, it's irreverent. Some of it's not as good as others. Uh, some of the movies aren't as great as, as you want them to be. But by the end of it, I was watching, like, the. there's a moment in um, uh, Jim Henson's funeral where the Muppets themselves learn of the passing of Jim Henson. Okay, everybody, okay, okay, gather around. It's finally time for the Jim Henson tribute production number. Oh, boy, okay, yeah, all right, Vikings, okay. Remember, come in on the second chorus. Oh, and, yes. oh accountants. accountants. Hey, don't, don't tap dance until we fly in the giant 1040 form. Oh, and, uh, Scooter, uh, Donzo, come on, help me with this thing. Oh, okay. Move it out of the way. Oh. Wait, wait, ho, 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 ho. What's, what's this? Oh, what? Uh, I never noticed this before. It says, for Fozzie, these might inspire some ideas for the tribute number... These are real letters oh, from Jim's fans. Oh, boy. Oh, read some. Read, read it. Should I? Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Let's All right, see. It says, uh, Dear Kermit, my cousin Diane has a pet frog, and she named him Kermit. <laughs> and he could say, Hi, just like you. Aww, uh, isn't that sweet? Yeah. Really I feel very sorry that your best friend Jim died. What? Died? Jim died? We were just starting to get to know him. And just like in Sesame Street, where a, a puppeteer had died and they decided not to lie to children, not to say that the, the, that the character had gone away to a different place to live or what have you, they actually just spoke it out and said that the character had died and the character is no longer going to be around. And they explained to children what death oh meant. Oh my God. And that's a beautiful moment wow. in, in the Sesame Street. It shows you what Sesame Street were all about. But they did similar with the Muppets, where... All of the Muppets, who were puppeteered by friends of Jim Henson, apart from yeah. Kermit, who was puppeteered and, and voiced by Jim Henson himself, they had a, a, a sort of um, a tribute to him, where Fozzie is trying to put on a tribute show for Jim Henson. And this is usually, you know, on the Muppet show, it would be Kermit that is trying to run the show. And he's, you know, he's getting exasperated by Miss Piggy and Fuzzy and, and everyone sort of like screwing up. But this is Fozzie trying to do it by himself and he's struggling and he finds um, a folder and the folder is all the uh, the letters of children and viewers. I'm going to get choked up now. That are sort of commiserating. I'm getting goosebumps. That are commiserating with the Muppets for the death of Jim Henson. While falling asleep that night, our five-year-old daughter Blair said, it's a good thing there are people who can do Jim Henson's job. He'll be with us every time we watch the Muppets. He'll be able to see them from heaven. The Reeser family, Las Vegas, Nevada. And you get to see the Muppets sort of like reacting to that. And they're sort of shocked about Jim Henson. And they're sort of, they want to learn more about him. And Kermit is not there. And you're wondering, where is Kermit? When you, when you sort of, when, when I sort of knew that 
Kermit wasn't there because that was Jim Henson's puppet and somebody else was going to have to fill those shoes. And um, Fozzy has a bit of a, a wobbler and he says, I can't do it. We can't do it. Cancel. What? Cancel. Cancel the production number. Cancel everything. What about the tribute? I did it all wrong. I mean, I mean, when you read these letters and you, when you know how much people loved him, we can't do a tribute to him. And Robin, Kermit's nephew, yeah. the little frog, he sort of mm-hmm. steps up and he says, Kermit thought we could. Oh, but Robin, all we have is silly songs and whoopee cushions. Maybe that's enough. No, you've got the magic within you. And I'm going to get choked up again. This is the fucking Muppets. And it's like, it's getting... Do it. Do, you, can, you can get through this, Kevin. Get through it. I'm having a breakdown, it. Will. Um, <laughs> he starts telling him, if it's just one person that believes in you, then that can spread. And then it'll be just two people that believe in you. And it, they all the Muppets start to sing this song, coming together, until Kermit... Yeah appears in the doorway and he's watching them. Take what you got and fly with it. Fly with it? Kermit says that? I think he learned it from Jim. You know, this Jim Henson may be gone, but well, maybe he's still here too, inside us, and, believing uh, in us. And realize that this is one of the puppeteers who's taking over for Jim Henson, who'd voiced the character and puppeteered him for 30 years. And it's all of Jim's yeah. friends singing. <laughs> you know, you can do it. If just one person believes in you. Deep enough and strong enough believes in you. Hard enough and long enough before you knew it, someone else would think, if he can do it, I can do it. Making it to whole people who believe in you. Deep enough and strong enough believe in you. When you realise that the puppeteers themselves are the characters that you see, that they're an extension of who they were, their personalities, their mm-hmm. their relationships to one another, it, there's just a lovely ethos of this, this sort of vaudeville troupe of oddballs and misfits creating these colourful extensions of themselves. And that's the message that they put out into the world, which is, with a lot of the, the Muppet stories, it's about them working together to achieve their dreams, and success comes from believing in each other and loving one another. Why not four? And and four old people, why not more? And more and more. And when all those people believe in you, deep enough and strong enough believe in you, hard enough and long enough, it stands to reason. could do the tribute for Jim. It was terrific. You guys were great. Oh. Yeah, that that just broke me, man. Oh wow. That's <laughs> fantastic. Really fantastic. I have to I have to watch that. We have to put that link in the show notes and I have to watch that. Um, that is beautiful and um I love the way they they um 
they addressed his passing because you know not to get too not to get down in the dumps about anything but not to get too dark with things but yeah we had uh, in our family we had to deal with uh, some heavy uh, bereavement last year as well and our biggest kind of concern was how do we how do we tell the kids like what do we say to kids but the thing about it is the bereavement counsellor we had was um, said... You said, had a bereavement counsellor? Oh, for, yeah, one of these things we had a bereavement counsellor, yeah. Um, but uh, she said, just tell them the truth. And and it was the best thing we did because, um, you know, it, it, the idea, I suppose the idea entered the world about death. And, you know, it was up to them to figure out death as they moved on over the next few months it was about figuring it out for themselves after the fact like you're saying with Fozzie there having to figure out how he can go on and you know it's but I just think it's such a brave and bold move it's particularly back in the that was the 90s wasn't it you know it was you know yeah 1990 how sophisticated really sophisticated and brave and a bold thing for him to do and Mighty but remember, stuff. as we, we were talking about on the Question of a Kids mm. episode, kids stuff back then was anything goes. <laughs> so the, yeah. the Muppets being like yeah. um, supportive of one another, it, it was an elixir compared to what you were getting yeah. with even Jim Henson's other stuff. Like I want to touch on some of his other films as well, apart from the Muppets, especially Dark Crystal. Yes. So I guess the the good way to do this is to go back to who Jim Henson was. Jim Henson was okay. a bit of an avant-garde artist. He he didn't want to be defined by the Muppets. He just wanted to perfect what the Muppets stood for and what they were about. He created the Sesame Street because some mothers out there have children that are never going to get the advantages and the education that other kids will have. So there should be a show that teaches them the basics, like spelling and counting and things like that. Sesame Street was brought to you today by the letter P. <laughs> oh, and by the number two. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> The Muppets were a a sort of a family and he loved working with all the puppeteers and he thought it was a great way to tell stories. But once he had sort of mastered what the the Muppets were, he wanted to move on to the next thing. And one of those sort of passion projects, a dream project for him, was Dark Crystal. In a place outside time lies a mystical realm of sound and vision. A wondrous civilization. Where good and evil struggle to possess the dark crystal. But in order to get that crystal made, he had to agree to do a sequel to the Muppet movie, which is why he directed The the Great Muppet Caper. That was part of the agreement. Because the original Muppet movie, which came just as the, the series was ending, was a huge hit. They spent... 8 million making it and it made 65 million at the box office. So to do something that was so dark and experimental as Dark Crystal. A movie in the making, but a movie unlike any other ever made. When it's completed, not a single human being will appear on the screen, for a whole new world has been created. The world of the Dark Crystal, inhabited only by strange and magical creatures. Which was a lot more out there in uh, Jim Henson's mind than what we eventually got. You know, the Skeksis and the whole banquet that went on for a lot longer and was a lot more terrifying with all these characters just speaking gibberish and what have you. Ah, dessert! Crawling! Dessert! 
He had to make the the Great Muppet Caper, which was a sequel, uh, and he did that back to back with Dark Crystal, and. Dark Crystal then was a critical flop and it didn't make any money at the box office. It was a critical flop. I wasn't aware of that. People did not like that film at all. And that really affected him. You know, the Muppets had ended and he wanted to give his Mm -hmm. friends these troop of puppeteers. You know, there's not a lot of work for puppeteers out there. Uh, And in order to sort of keep work going, he decided to create Fraggle Rock. So he turned his attention to Fraggle Rock. Fraggle Rock ran for five years on HBO. It was another independently produced uh, program and is, by my understanding, looking into all the sort of the the themes of the different shows, Fraggle Rock is like the DS9 of the the franchise of the Muppets. The weird thing that I learned, right, was that apart from these fantastic stories about purpose and work and what have you, with Fraggle Rock, he wanted to, in his words, create a show which ended wars. Wow, that's ambitious. That's really ambitious. It was. Except that in 1989, it was the very first Western show to be shown on Soviet television. And six months after that, the Berlin Wall came down. So Jim Henson was like... I love it. So it wasn't Hasselhoff that uh, brought down the wall. It was Jim Henson. Down at Fraggle Rock. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Fantastic. I was also shocked, though, man, to uh, to realise that Labyrinth was also a critical failure and a box office bomb. Shut up. So he was getting... Like a stone-cold classic. Yeah. Like that's, for me, is, is, is just... The, a, a pinnacle of fairy tale um, storytelling and filmmaking. It's absolutely amazing. They just didn't get it. They just didn't know what the fuck was the point of it. Do you know what was wrong? It was David Bowie being too sexy. Oh, yeah. Confused conservative America. He was like going, hang on a second. He's a man, but oh my God, does, 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 uh, sweatpants or whatever he would have, whatever he had, um, he had a a very sticky sock stuffed down his pants to, uh, (laughs) to pad him out. That's a, yeah, that's a fact that I, uh, that I also, um, learned and do research to this. I have a fact as well. I know that, um, David Bowie and Tina Turner actually had the same hairdresser um, during the making of Labyrinth. That's not a <laughs> well, fact. That's okay. just that's a Kevin actually, fact. That's she, a Kevin she fact. does have the same hair in uh, Beyond Thunderdome, doesn't she? There you go. That's what I meant by that. Yep. Same <laughs> stylist. Yeah. Yeah. So Dark Crystal Labyrinth, they weren't that well received. The Muppet movies themselves, though, were really well received. But there's only been eight of them. So there's not yeah. that many to talk about. Well, how did you feel? going back into the the back catalogue of the Muppets and sort of... The the funny thing was that was my experience with the Muppets was the Muppet Show. From a very early age, I saw the Muppet Show many times. But the funny thing about it was, is I actually had, I don't think I'd ever seen any of the first three films um, from beginning to end in completion. I'd seen bits and pieces of them when to be on TV. Yeah. So I had never, so it was in the past week I kind of had that uh, in the last couple of weeks. I went and watched those first three films from beginning to end for the first time, and yeah, it was a it was a, a blast. It really was a, a fantastic blast. Yeah, I had to go back as well because I hadn't seen the first two, 
and I hadn't seen uh, Muppets from Space, but I'd seen all the others. And I mm-hmm. sort of felt quite confident about sort of my rankings of the films. But after watching mm-hmm. the remainder of the films, it changed a lot. <sighs> Have you ever actually, you've been to the Henson Company, haven't you? Because I remember, I remember, was it last year or was it the year before? There was, there was, yes. I had a contact at the Henson Company and I remember saying to you that you should speak to them because they were looking for, they were looking for a writer on a project. So how did you get on with them? I, well, I got on great. Um, well, like, well, the projects we were <laughs> developing never out? materialized. <laughs> so it's not coming out. Um, but me, uh, dealing with them, I was never over there. I was never actually, I never met them in LA when I was over there. It was all via phone and, and uh, yeah. Zoom and Skype and all that. But um, yeah, it was uh, great to, you know, Lisa, Lisa's, um, Jim's daughter, isn't Lisa mm-hmm. Hansen? Yeah, Lisa. And um, she's lovely. And um, but again, it's it's weird how I suppose when you when you work in the industry, you kind of have to quickly dissociate the uh, the legacy in your head and kind of get down to business of actually trying to work on the project that you're working on and and and, and get it going. But then, because if you think too much about what has gone before and what's made that, you can kind of make you like a deer in the headlights. I can tell you, you like, that. If I had known as much as I know now when I was with them, because I was brought in at, at one stage to um to pitch on a project there, and it progressed as those things do, and you know I got to actually be in that the the actual Henson Company, and oh right, <laughs> I even got like a little fizz geek, you know the little um he's sort of like the little critter creature from uh Labyrinth, he's the furry orange guy that's got the big mouth. No, no, fizz geek, you stay here, Dolly. I got I given him. <laughs> I got given that. It's, it's up there somewhere. I should pull no it down. No way. Yeah, they gave that to me. And how did you get on with them? Um, it didn't happen as well. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's the reality of most projects. This is the thing. It's like that for anyone who is not in the industry. The reality is, is as us as screenwriters, we generally work on most. We spend most of our time working on projects that never actually make it to the big screen. Or the I small love screen. it. That's it's so fulfilling and satisfying. It's just, it, <laughs> It's such a such a. It's everything I wished it would be. It's like oh god, living the dream. Which yeah, how did you get on with them? Okay, I don't know whether this will make the podcast, but I'll tell you. Right. So I was brought in to pitch on a sequel to uh, a project that I may have mentioned already, and um, okay, I really really enjoyed the process. <laughs> uh, there's some lovely, lovely, genuinely lovely people there. But my experience was a little bit of bad timing. Right. So I pitched on a project that was going one direction. And um, and I did the first round, the second round, the third round. And, you know, as Oh, that's good if you got that far. That's great. <laughs> yeah. And it was all in a very okay. compressed period of time because I was leaving LA. So it was sort of like they wanted to get it all done in the space of like about a week and a half. Um, yeah. Before I left. To meet everybody that that needed to meet me and what have you, and for me to sort of pitch what I was intending to do or or hoping to do or what my ideas and thoughts were, and um, (laughs) and uh, it was going really, really well. What did you do, Kevin? What did you do? I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything (laughs) this time. I didn't go in and tell Marvel about my love for Superman. I um, I was pitching on a project that was going to be a movie. Uh, a, a movie sequel and the other co-producers were there and the director okay. of the project was there and uh, Lisa Henson oh god I don't know if I can tell the story um, she was meant to be there but she was running late 
And so, right, because other people were there, I was informed to just crack on and just tell what my pitch was. But the person who needed to hear it wasn't in the room. So okay. I decided, okay. Which Lisa. Yeah, which was Lisa. Lisa needed to hear it. Yeah. So I started telling it. And about halfway through the pitch, Lisa came in to join the, the meeting and to basically inform everybody she just got off the phone with a distributor in order to do the project that I was pitching on as a TV series, not a movie. Oh, my God. And it was great news that she wanted to share with everybody. <laughs> and the development person looked over at me and made these eyes of, like, oh. I'm sorry. And um, and oh, Kevin. I had to continue the pitch. It was like, do you want to start over and tell Lisa what it was? And oh, it was God. um, it was then sort of like everyone was head was elsewhere, and I was pitching about a, a movie that was never going to happen. The, oh, the project God. had immediately just shifted beyond what what was planned or what they were thinking about, and um, <laughs> and as I said that goodbye, awful. as we all left the meeting, um, everybody else was sort of saying goodbye to each other, and nobody said goodbye to me. <laughs> I was standing there as everyone was like going, oh, we should we should call each other next week or we should do lunch or whatever. Or so I'll oh. get on this. And do you want to take something for the kids and all this kind of <sighs> stuff? And I sort of left. <laughs> you sidled, sidled out. <laughs> that is I, the worst timing. It is. But I don't want it to feel like I'm, I'm bitter or anything or I don't want to feel like I'm critical. It's just one of those fucking silly things that happen where... Because I yeah. didn't put that much effort into that. I'd only been th- thinking about it for a week and a half. But it was just one of those things where mm. in the moment I was like, this is so David Brent-esque. Like, this <laughs> is just, I'm pitching on a project that's already just been killed in the room in front of me. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> as you're in mid-performance, as you're in mid-performance, you're on the stage. You are in the middle of your... <laughs> Someone comes on and they switch the lights on and they go, everyone, take that or outside. And you're like, what? And And the one person stays Uh, to listen to you. Oh, Kevin, I feel so bad for you. I feel so bad for you. And the funny thing was, is that the other people in the room knew it as well. But Lisa was so excited to share the good news that she was just not aware that I was also there. It was like an intern had slipped into the room and and there was nothing malicious about it. There was nothing. It was just sort of this thing of like extremely busy, just gotten off the phone. That was the reason she was late. And the great news was X, Y, Z. And I was like, oh. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, God. I tell you what, Will, after that, I'm feeling, (laughs) I'm feeling a little, uh, I'm feeling a little queasy. Oh, what? Uh, I'll tell you what it is, Will. I came onto this nervous about doing this episode because it's just the two of us. And I was like, can we actually do an episode by ourselves again? And I don't know if it's that or it's the fact that I, uh, I had a sandwich on a plane that was on a tray table that was covered in shite. And my stomach is... Call back. <laughs> call back to the Halloween commentary. Yeah. And uh, if you can just give me a second, I, I re- if I don't go to the... If I don't excuse myself, no, I can never come back. So, well, um, listen, Kevin, I, I, I don't want you defecating in front of me. Stop. Just go. Just go no, right? Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. Christ, such a professional outfit. I, I'm enjoying it, Will. Down. I swear to God, I'm enjoying it. Just the two of us. That's This okay. is what, this Listen, is original flavor, best bits. I uh, But just give yeah. me like about five minutes. I just need to basically uh, lose a stone. So I'll... Uh, <laughs> I'm not pausing the recording. Don't worry. I'll hold the fort. Don't worry. You just go... Oh, my God. Fuck him. He'll be gone half an hour. I'm telling you now, Will. I do.
What do you want to do? Jeez, I'll just call someone. Do that. Hold on now. What kind of phone number is this? Right. Okay. Reverse the charges on that. Okay, right. Hopefully he's in. Hopefully he's in though. Right. It's ringing. It's ringing. Hello? Hello, Liam. It's Will here. Oh, Will. How's it going? How are you? Oh, Liam. I'm in a bit of bother. We're doing an episode on best Muppet scene. And uh, and I, I really didn't know which way to go. So I thought maybe you might be able to help me out. Do you have any interest in the Muppets? Oh, you have called the right person, Will. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. Like, literally, I, I didn't even start at A. I just went to L and I went, Liam, I'll just try him. Literally, I'm so glad that you just happened to be the, the 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 right person to randomly call in my phone book from my contact list, and you're the guy I should have called. Well, first of all, what I'm going to do is I just want to introduce because we actually some people are going to be listening to this as well. This is going to go in the podcast. They might forgot. To, I should have told oh, you I'm recording okay. right now. That's um, okay. Everyone who I'm speaking to is Liam Garrity. And Liam Garrity is a kind of super audio podcast producer who has done multiple, multiple successful podcasts, including the likes of Meet Your Maker, which is a podcast in which he interviews the people who make the things we love. Uh, It's a wonderful podcast and, you know, you should listen to it because you've done ones on... Don Bluth, for instance, which we've covered in an episode this season. We've talked about uh, animation with Tom Moore. So, Liam, you're uh, the perfect guest because not only that, but you're a, a super Muppets fan. Am I right in saying that? Yes, I can't. <laughs> I, I can't. Uh, I can't convey to you how much I'm obsessed with the Muppets. I, I, this might this might sum it up. Uh, a couple of years ago, the Muppets came over to the O2 in London and they performed right. three nights. Um, yeah. in three nights only and I went over and I seen uh, two uh, of those nights wow. uh, I, I was going to stretch it to the three but I thought maybe maybe it was I don't know it was expensive <laughs> also <laughs> <laughs> Do you rem- what's your earliest memory of the Muppets? Is that something you could pull? The one th- one other thing I remember is that the Muppet Show used to be on be on a channel we didn't have. So I used to run up to a neighbor up the road who had Video Plus. Do you remember Video Plus? Oh, oh, is this something where you can code it into your video recorder or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. When, I when still don't know TV- how that works. <laughs> <laughs> when you had the TV guide, it would have a little number beside the listing. Yeah. And so I would run up to my neighbor and with a like a blank VHS, and I'd be like, "Please, please, can you set your video plus to record the Muppet Show for me?" Brilliant. Um, but yeah, no, I was. It was. They were always kind of like there around. I, I was obsessed with them since I was a kid. There was a big one thing that particularly stands out to me is there was an exhibition that actually came to Dublin, Kilmain and Jail yeah. in, uh, I think it was 1989 or 1990. And it was called Muppets, Monsters and Mayhem. Okay. Uh, and they basically just brought a whole load of Muppets and Jim Henson creatures from like Labyrinth and Dark Crystal and Fraggle Rock. And they had all the puppets there. And I just remember two vivid ones. I remember the Gorg from Fraggle Rock. They yeah. were like the big guys that these yeah. radishes from. And then the kind of, I don't know this guy's name. He's from the Labyrinth. Do you remember these kind of goats that were playing cards and they had a riddle that oh. Sarah had to like answer? Anyway. Was, oh, yeah. Oh, from the Labyrinth. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I know the ones you're on. Yeah, they've got, it's, it's and they're upside just, down. Yes. And yeah, she, yeah, it's yeah. just before Brilliant. she falls down into the, the tunnel of hands. Yeah. But yeah, they, they had that. And I just remember seeing those. It was just my mind was blown. Like I would have only been about 
I don't know, eight That's at the time. exactly what I was going to ask you there. I think one of the common commonalities through a lot of these interviews and even chats with like with, between myself and Kevin and other guests we've had on is always we've so many of us have had those like like formative moments where we meet in person are kind of like idols or we, we we have that connection with something when it really makes our brain explode in some way and, and it like f- forms the wiring of how our uh, of, of the things we love for the rest of our lives in some weird way and it sounds uh, like that like, happened to you oh 100 like i like i have just been obsessed like i, I can't even hopefully i'm conveying it a bit but like, i honestly feel like i can't convey how much obsessed i i was and am like with the Muppets throughout my entire life. Like when I was a kid, again, I would have only been about like 10 or 11. I, I wrote them a letter. They sent back <laughs> um, a photocopied article all about Jim Henson from the New Yorker. And they just photocopied it from the New Yorker. Wow. And they'd, in- they'd included two glossy photographs, one uh, black and white glossy photographs, one of Kermit and one of Fozzie Bear. Which wow. I, which years later I would bump into Frank Oz, who obviously performed Fuzzy Bear. He was over. I got him to sign it, and he was over for um, what was that film he did? Death at a Funeral. Do you remember that one? Years is a crack. Oh crack yeah, little film, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just my life was just permeates Muppets. <laughs> what for you would be your favorite Muppets scenes and why? Oh yeah, sure. Well, the, I mean, there's been eight Muppet movies. There's been eight like cinematic. There's been plenty of TV movies or whatever, but there's been eight cinema releases. So if we, uh, I'll run down through them. Um, yeah. Well, obviously, the, you know, the first one was the Muppet movie that was in 1979. <laughs> For anyone who has ever dreamed of fame and fortune at the end of the rainbow, this is one of the greatest success stories of all time, proving once and for all that anyone can make it, no matter how young, no matter how green. The lovers, the dreamers, and me. The thing that was I lo- lo- mm-hmm. love about that is that, like, even though the Muppet Show had been really successful. Um, as a TV show, it was one of the, you know the most successful TV show at the time in the world. When they wanted to make a movie, there was a lot of doubters, and it was kind of similar, I think, to maybe what Walt Disney had experienced with Snow White, where people were like, "How is an animated gonna film gonna like sustain?" like an hour and a half uh, and people were the same. They were like, how are the Muppets going to work in the, and, and they're going to be out in the real world, mm-hmm. you know, also we've only ever seen them in the studio with lighting, you know, and, and how is that going to work? Um, but I just love that the opening sequence is like, is, is a helicopter shot over a swamp, a real swamp. Uh, and it's slowly coming into like Kermit the frog, who's just sitting on a log out in nature in the in the middle of this big bayou and i just thought that was such a great like like two fingers up to anyone who thought that this wouldn't was not going to work in the real world because it was just totally magical like how is kermit the frog yeah. like in the middle of this like log and apparently you know jim henson was just in a big container like underneath like cramped no way <laughs> yeah 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 i'd spent like hours like oh you know, my under god there. yeah like an um, amazing but so i think the magic of the the very first muppet movie is really just seeing the muppets out in the yeah. real world you know um, and you've probably seen uh, you know and anyone listening is probably seen if you haven't definitely look it up but there's on youtube you can see uh, it's about like a 10 15 minute footage 
footage of like Jim Henson, Frank Oz, and I think it was James Frawley, the director, just going around, like just shooting the Muppets out in the countryside just for lighting to see how they work. But they're just riffing. They're just like, you know, they're just pure, just like, you know, improvising. And it is so funny. Um, I definitely, yeah, yeah, I'll send you the link anyway, um, and people can look it up. That's a great looking tree. Yeah, look at that bark. Feel that, that's a real bark, that's a real tree. Mm-hmm. Great to be out here, huh? Yep. A bear in his natural habitat. Yeah, well, a little bit fuzzy. Mm-hmm. See, see, the thing of it is, though, um, well, you know, you're not a real, you know, you're not a real bear. I mean, you're not a, not a real natural bear. Well, I mean, you, you were talking about a bear in his natural habitat. Yeah. Well, me and my natural. The cows back there. Yeah. Now, now those cows, those are real cows. I mean, those are cows that are out here. They eat grass. They, uh, you know, they, they they give milk. Those are cows. Well, I don't give milk, but I'm a bear. No, no, no. But a real bear is a is sort of a thing with. He's got sharp teeth, and he and no, he. Uh, hold, now wait a second. Now wait a second. Do you have sharp teeth? I, I don't have teeth. No. I mean, do you hibernate? Uh, well, only with friends. So, I and I, uh, that was my favorite scene from that first Muppet movie as well, is that, you know, it's so impressive. It brings, it draws you into that world. And that's amazing. I didn't realize that's an amazing bit of trivia about Jim Henson being stuck under the, you know. Yeah, in a, in a and, and that's, uh, and I only read that like in, in one of the, uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, Jim Henson, it's, got, it's an amazing book, Jim Henson, The Works. Right. Uh, is, is a, if you, if you want to find out about how all this stuff was done. Um, but yeah, I, I never thought about it before. You know, it's just like, yeah. like you say, it's just so you're just so in, you know, absorbed in it yeah. that I never like went, oh, like, how are they actually doing this? Wow. Or, you know, when I was a kid. But, yeah, no, that was, yeah, that was, that was, it was a fantastic, like a fantastic first movie for yeah. them. Uh, so what would be some of your other uh, picks um, for best, best well, okay, so, Yeah, yeah. Well, so then the next movie they did in 81, uh, that was The Great Muppet Caper. This is the most fabulous diamond of them all, the legendary baseball diamond. And this would be the most sensational heist of the century if it weren't for... Announcing the Great Muppet Caper. It's a new Muppet movie. With what? Your superstar. Say cheese. So while the Muppet movie was, you know, it was in America, it was kind of, it was quite an American kind of kind of movie. And I know they're American characters, but the Great Muppet Caper was set in London. Mm-hmm. And so like has a very kind of English thing running through it. And, and here's some trivia that probably most people know, I guess, but like the Muppet show itself was all filmed in England because no, none of the American networks uh, wanted it. And it was uh, it was a, a producer, Lord Lou Grade, I think, who was basically like, I'll give you the money to make it, but you have to make it in England. Wow. So all the crew on the Muppet Show TV series, they were all British. Um, I didn't know this. Yeah, 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 yeah. It wow. Was, it was fil- filmed in, in L3 Studios, I'm pretty sure. Um, and so the Great Muppet Caper, yeah, the Great Muppet Caper sees like kind of Kermit and... Fozzie and Gonzo, they, they're in roles this time, whereas the first mm-hmm. one, it was supposed to be the actual Muppets and how they got together. Yeah. Great Muppet Caper w- was them playing parts as reporters. Yeah, for this I love newspaper. that. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's so much fun. It is so much fun. It's so much fun. And so like, so knowing like all the, you know, it's a, it's so meta and it's, you know, it's all done, delivered with a wink, you know, mm. the, the opening se- again, another great opening scene is, is Fozzie, Gonzo and Kermit. And they're in a, a big hot air balloon mm-hmm. uh, in the sky. And they're one, and Fozzie's like, you know, 
why why are we up here? Like, you know, why hasn't the movie started? And Kermit's yeah. like, oh well, we need to we have to wait for the credits to you know to go. You know, yeah. and Fozzie is like, but nobody reads them anyway. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, and then there's I think there's a credit for like uh, director of photography and and the letters A S C you know come up after the name and Fozzie's like, what does A S C stand for? <laughs> you know, I just love that kind of stuff. But yeah, Muppet Caper. Oh, there's so many great scenes in the Mupp- great Muppet Caper. It, like it took all that like stuff that like just blew your mind. And um, mm-hmm. for example, in the Muppet movie, you had Kermit riding a bike. Right? Oh, I Which love was that amazing. shot. Yeah. But then in the great Muppet Caper, we have all the Muppets riding yeah. a bike. They're going through a park, and it's just like, like how is this happening? You know, and how, how did they, they do that? I've no idea because they're they're in tandem. Like you know, they're there's yeah, yeah. rows of them. I've, I, and yes. they have a helicopter shot, so it's like, yeah, it's <laughs> how do they do that? I just don't know. There, well, funny. I just I, I I was reading again in that book about um, it was actually done with marionettes. You would never have believed it, but it was wow. actually done with a combination of you know. So the you know the, the Muppets were kind of there. They kind of you know they were able to kind of move their heads and stuff you know yeah. uh, uh, electronically but to keep them up and to kind of move them was was done with uh marionettes um oh my god yeah it's just bizarre and then you know you have there's a, a fantastic busby berkeley kind of dance number you know with miss piggy and all these you know guys in tails uh, uh, yeah. uh and top hats and miss piggy tap dancing and then you have like there's another number with with her kind of a water ballet kind of you know old Hollywood yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of thing with yeah. with Kermit and James are gonna get to, James Grodin wasn't it? Uh, yeah, um, James. It's uh, Midnight Run. James James Grogan, isn't it? James. Gro- yeah, James, Gro- uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That that guy anyway. Uh, and so they're you know singing about the love interest and Miss Piggy is underwater, you know, swimming around. It's it's again it's just it's it's mind-blowing and also i suppose we, we you know like the first movie it's just full of great cameos you yeah know, but i think well. they're utilized better in the in that film i feel like they're like the john cleese bit is uh yes that's a funny there the, are the, funny gags that exist unto themselves whereas in the first film it's kind of like oh my god it's uh, Dom DeLuise and it's just like what's yeah, the joke yeah. it's Dom DeLuise that's the joke <laughs> whereas this yeah. is like they're contained gags they're playing characters in a scene and I think it works so much better in that second one. Oh yeah absolutely like, absolutely like and you know the the one that sticks out in my mind aside from the John Cleese one was uh, where Miss Piggy throws Peter Ustinoff out of a <laughs> truck and he, he, land, he lands in the trash and then Oscar the Grouch comes out and then he's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, <laughs> like, uh, just a, a, a cameo. Like, and he's like, yeah, yeah me too. Could you make an exception for little old moi? Not even for little old dude. <laughs> Pretty please? No. I've tried to be nice. Hey, what's all the racket? What are you doing here? A very brief cameo. Me too. <laughs> That's great. Just, uh, it's fantastic. But yeah, no, so the great Muppet Caper, I don't... I know at the end you'll probably ask me like what was my favorite, and I probably the Great Muppet Caper is probably close. I couldn't pick one, I don't think, but yeah, I, the the Muppet Caper is right up there for me. And then after that, uh, we had the Muppets Take Manhattan, 
in 84. Yeah. At last, a movie with something for everyone. If you're a big star or a small fry, if you're a freak of nature or just a nature freak, if you're into violence or terror is your thing, if you're a hopeless romantic or a desperate criminal, TriStar Pictures presents a motion picture experience that will leave you breathless. The Muppets Take Manhattan, rated G. Caper was directed by Jim Henson, wasn't it? That was actually the only feature directed by Jim Henson. Maybe I'm yeah, wrong. Yeah, which is, yeah, no, you're absolutely right, which is, you know, it's kind of odd. Like, I think for the Muppet movie, he wasn't, you know, it was the first movie. He wasn't confident enough to, you know, like, yeah. want to, I mean, on a certain, maybe not even not confident enough, but wanted to focus on making sure the puppeteering and everything was right. So brought in James Frawley, who had done a lot of the Monkeys TV show. Uh, wow. That's what he would have been known for. Yeah, then great, great. Caper, uh, great Muppet Caper was Jim Henson, and then Frank Oz was uh, the Muppets Take Manhattan, the, the his first movie of his illustrious career. Yeah, amazing, amazing. That's you know, when I saw his name appear, I was like, going, "Oh my god, he directed this!" And I and you could immediately tell he was. Uh, it's a filmmaker wanting to make a, you know, he he wanted to make a film with this. It really was clear from the off. <laughs> Yeah, and I, like I could be wrong on the dates here, but was I think the Dark Crystal might have even come in between, which which Henson and Oz directed together. Yeah, Podbot will help us out there. Podbot, when did the Dark Crystal come out? <laughs> the Dark Crystal was released in 1982. Also, the Great Muppet Caper starred Charles Grodin, not James Grodin. Thanks, Podbot. You're welcome. There we go. She's, <laughs> she's so handy there. She's Fantastic. so handy that way. <laughs> um but so yeah the, the Muppets like Manhattan is it's I mean it's just a it's just a cracking kind of like 80s movie of like of the Muppets playing themselves but also you know it's almost like an alternate kind of story mm-hmm. of them trying to put on a show on Broadway and get it you know and same wonderful cameos the 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 um the cameo with uh, Miss Piggy and oh Oh, Wait, oh Joan Rivers. To me. Hold on. Joan Rivers. God, how did I forget Joan Rivers? Yeah, sorry. That, you know, uh, that's great. But yeah, that was just, it's just a really fun movie. In terms of like particular yeah. amazing sequences, yeah. Um, yeah. In, in there's a cafe where uh, Miss Piggy works um, and uh, the rats all work there in the kitchen. And there's a whole sequence of them basically making breakfast. And it's just like mind-blowing like it's just the rats like just hopping up on counters and pouring like pancake mix and and skating across the cookers and yeah it it's just a technically it's just an amazing thing so like you were saying earlier on it's just like you're it just holds up so well they did it so well at the time it just you know it, it looks so good still oh customer complain they say they know like rats for waiters but it's okay I make them cook. Hey, Pete, here you go. Two zeros on a trampoline with a side of Joan of Arc. Do be da ba do be da ba ba. 
Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that one. I really, really enjoyed that one. Yeah, uh, it, yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a really good, good movie. And then, I mean, that that was the three that you know. Then after that, Jim Henson passed away in I think 1990, and so the first film after that was everybody's favorite, probably The Christmas Carol, uh, in 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 92, and that was directed by his son, his son Brian. Mm-hmm. Ah. He was the greediest man alive. It's Ebenezer Scrooge. Until the night he met someone extraordinary. Hello. And that's, I mean, you know, it's, you know, it's a, it's a brilliant film. You know, it's obviously, you know, we all know it's a, it's a a classic, you know, and it's, it's, they, they, yeah, they just, they did a really good job, (laughs) you know, considering. It's one of my favorite adaptations of A Christmas Carol. Like, you know, you know, even up there with David Lean's version, I just think it's a wonderful adaptation of that story. Yeah. Oh. And Michael Caine is amazing. Absolutely. Like, and that, what a stroke of genius of like getting, you know, bringing Michael Caine on. But again, it's that kind of, it's that British thing, like the early episodes um, of The Muppet Show, like a lot of the guests were British. Like Bruce Forsyth was like a, one of the first guests on The Muppet Show wow. because they were still, they weren't famous enough yet to be attracting like the bigger <laughs> American stars. And the American audiences were going like, you know, what? <laughs> who's, who's this guy with the chin? <laughs> this is Bruce guy with a chin. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so Christmas Carol. Then yeah, after that, I mean, you know, it, it's it's Treasure Island. Centuries ago, a legendary treasure was buried on a remote island, and there's only one living soul daring enough to find it. Hello, everyone. Captain Abraham Smollett is taking command. This voyage has begun. To wherever the wind may take us. Hurry, Rizzo! I'm going as fast as I can. I think they were kind of, I think they were trying to piggyback, if you'll excuse the pun, (laughs) of, uh, (laughs) of, you know, Christmas Carol. They were like, oh, you know what? Our adaptation of this classic really worked out. Let's do another one. Yeah. Um, And while I enjoy Treasure Island, it wasn't quite the success, I think, that they'd probably hoped it would be. Mm -hmm. But but has some wonderful, you know, sequences in it. Tim Curry is, is, you know, is fantastic in it as Long John Silver. And it's got a great musical number, uh, Cabin Fever, that that's that's very fun. And yeah, after that, then it was 1999. I feel like a Muppets encyclopedia now. Um, no, this is good. <laughs> this is good. This is great homework for me as well when I go back talking to Kevin. It's fantastic. <laughs> uh, there was Muppets from Space uh, was the next one. Yeah. Welcome to a house where the normal routine... Good morning, everyone. The raspberry flapovers will be out in a moment. ...is anything but... The kitchen is closed. The Muppets are back. They all had their place in the world. Except for Gonzo. I've always wondered where I came from, who I am. Hey, Gonzo, don't you think you ought to take a little break? You're starting to freak out the neighbors. Now, he's about to find out he's not alone. I know where I come from! And that was directed by Tim Hill. He was like an animation director. He did some Kablam, I think it was called. Yeah. You know, back, back in the day. I think I watched it when I was growing up. But um, Muppets from Space is is like, I enjoyed it again. It was kind of, it was it was all about Gonzo, where it's Gonzo from. And the revelation being that, oh, Gonzo is actually an alien. Cool. Um, <laughs> but it's it all centered around Gonzo, which was a nice, I, I thought it was a nice kind of, 
thing to do, like to pick one Muppet and kind of focus on them. And it's not, you know, it's not Kermit or Piggy kind of thing. And again, full of cameos. And yeah, just, it's, it it had a great soundtrack as well. It was all kind of like funk, you know, that they brought in. So it was, it was an interesting take, you know, on, on the Muppets, I thought. And then we didn't have a, a Muppet movie for another 10 years. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Until they they came back with the Muppets in, yeah. <laughs> in 2011 uh, with James Bobin uh, movie. We're trying to get the old gang back together again. We haven't done this in a long time. Your fans never left you. The world hasn't forgotten. Sure, it's impossible, but we've got to try. It's time to play the music. It's time to light the lights. It's time to meet the Muppets. You know, which, which those the two latest Muppet movies, right? The Muppets and Muppets Most Wanted, both directed by James Bobin. And they're both fun, you know, movies. But I suppose the thing now, and this is what I'm wrestling with, Will. Yes, <laughs> is, yes, yes. Um, is that like, you know, I loved the Muppets, the Muppet Show and the Muppet, the original, you know, performers and everything. And, and I... You know, I I followed everything the Muppets did. Like you have no idea. Like every t- every crappy TV <laughs> movie they made, every awful special. Like after Henson passed away, they were quite they were mismanaged. I think a you know to an extent, okay. or or not maybe not mismanaged, but I don't know. The writing wasn't as good. The performers, you know, changed performers who were, maybe weren't as strong. And it comes down to actually, the, there was an interview with Frank Oz in the Guardian a couple of weeks back. Did, did you get to read oh, this? Oh yes, yes, yes. But you can tell me what he was saying. Uh, listeners, well, yeah, well, he, he said anyone can do the voice. Right. right. He said it's not the voice. The voice isn't the character. He said it's the soul is the word he used. And actually Louise Gold used that word as well when I was talking to her. And I think, yeah, it's it's like when we think about like they almost are different from animated characters or voice actors replacing, you know, animated characters because the, the, these Jim Henson was Kermit and Frank Oz was Fuzzy Bear. You know what I yeah. mean? They they really did. It was, really was part of them. And they were, um, as performers, they were really funny. Like they used to go on the late night talk shows with Johnny Carson and everything. And they yeah. would be legitimately hilarious. They were incre- and they, incredible and they, improvisers. Yeah, 100, 100%. And, and the other key thing was that when you look at those is that they were never hit. The, the performer was never hidden. It was just Jim Henson sitting on the couch with Kermit mm-hmm. on his arm. He didn't, he was like, you don't need to hide in the way now if Kermit appears on something, he's, you know, the puppeteer is, is built into the couch, you know? Yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's it's been so hard, it's been so hard for me to work out my feelings on the Muppets now because I love the Muppets, but like just on the new stuff, it's it's hard because like you love these characters and they're continuing on, but I don't know. It's I, I feel like it's it's almost like a Simpsons thing. You really enjoy all the old Simpsons and the characters, mm. but like when I watch a new episode of The Simpsons, I don't connect to these characters yeah. in the way I do it from the older ones. And that's not the, you know I'm not moaning about like um, you know it's fine. People can watch them and enjoy them now, and that's great because. You know, maybe to some people of a certain age, these new Muppets are their Muppets. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Exactly. What you said is absolutely right. That that essence of the the original voice has changed, and the original voice isn't there anymore. That's guiding them, and you know that 
comparison to the to Simpsons writer room is is so right because we had the likes of Conan O'Brien and we had the likes of all this uh, Jim Reardon and all these amazing comedy writers that were in the you know there for those first ten seasons of the Simpsons and it shows in the quality of the stories. Whereas yeah, the, what you're saying about the Muppets is yeah, if those if those performers are gone, then you know you, yeah, you're I love that you're just replacing it with someone who's an imitator and not you know able to yeah and like. The I mean, in the episode of Meet Your Maker that I had Louise Gold on, she was really nice about it, I thought, in that she said, you know, listen, the performers now, she said, are brilliant. They're better puppeteers than we ever were. She said, mm-hmm. they're they're fantastic. They're great. But the char- the, their per- portrayals of the character is different. And mm-hmm. she said, it's not, that's not a bad thing, but she's not, it's just different. Now, having said that, ha- having said all that, Will, <laughs> uh, they <laughs> Um, there, there is. I don't know if you've seen Disney Plus have a trailer for a Muppet Halloween special. Um, oh, Muppets I didn't know ha- this. Muppets Haunted House, okay, uh, or Mansion, Mansion, Muppets Haunted Mansion after the uh, attraction in, in Disneyland. Um, and the trailer like looks amazing. It's a TV kind of special uh, okay. for Disney Plus, uh, and it looks amazing. <laughs> like wow. Uh, the never I had never thought to put like the Muppets, even though we had obviously the, the Marley, Jacob and Marley in uh, Christmas Carol were fantastic ghost Muppets. What, yeah. A combination of Muppets and Halloween seems to be like a match made in heaven. Oh it man, so good. Welcome to the home of fear and fright, where not all guests survive the night. The lucky souls will live to tell, and those who don't. Rotten. What's the matter with you? You can't say that. This is a family show. What are you doing? Welcome, foolish Muppets, to tonight's very special Halloween challenge. We just have to survive the night in this haunted mansion. Everything after we're finished, this is going to be the first thing I look up. Seriously, um, wow, I didn't even know that was on the on the horizon. So, if I had to pin you down, what is your favorite Muppet scene? You know, have you already have you already given it to me, or uh, is there have you been holding back? <laughs> um, oh, my favorite Muppet scene. I'm not going to claim this is my favorite scene, but we have Go to on. just very briefly mention. Oh, please, to- totally forgot the the probably one of the most amazing sequences in uh, the Muppets Take Manhattan is yeah. when Piggy and Kermit are imagining what it would have been like if they had grown up together. And we have this Muppet baby sequence. Yes! Yes! <laughs> uh, yes! And so, so you have this amazing, adorable Muppet babies for the first yeah. time. And that's and that was the sequence that people went nuts for. And then they were like, yeah. oh, yeah, let's make an animated series about the Muppet babies. Oh, Liam, you were so... I actually, when I was watching that, <laughs> I went, oh, my God, this is amazing with the Muppet babies. So that the origin of the Muppet babies is in Muppets uh, Take Manhattan. And it is yes. an amazing. They're so adorable. They're so cute. Everything about <laughs> It's just amazing. I wish they had just done a Muppet Baby. Obviously, it's very difficult and expensive to do that. But it was brilliant. It's a brilliant sequence. No matter what life may bring, no matter what I may do, be sure of one special thing. I'm gonna always be loving. Oh, it, it, 
it was brilliant. And then obviously, and the, and the show, the TV show was great. And actually, you know what? The show now, uh, they, they've rebooted it and it's kind yeah. of CGI or whatever. And it's actually quite good. I mean, it's aimed at young kids, you know, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, but like it's, it's, it's actually a really smart kind of show and they, they figure, they bring in all the old characters and it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, if you're a diehard Muppet fan, I, I'd recommend <laughs> the, the new Muppet, Muppet Babies. So I'm, I'm going to do it for you. Your favorite Muppet sequence is the Muppet Baby sequence <laughs> <laughs> from Muppet's Big Man Hadley. Whether you like it or not, it is. <laughs> no, listen, um, I truly appreciate you, uh, you know, taking the time and answering my random phone call and uh, <laughs> being so prepared. Who knew that you would be so prepared to answer my questions? <laughs> no, pro- listen, I'm like I said, anyone ever wants to ring me and talk about Muppets, I will burn your ear off. It's 086 Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. If we were in America, it'd be like 1800 Muppets. <laughs> wonderful um liam i've 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 taken up so much of your time already i've got to no jump i've got to jump back in and tell kevin all about the cool stuff you've just after telling me <laughs> and i'm going to cl- i'm going to claim it as my own information and say <laughs> kevin <laughs> i know all these things about the most but no i really appreciate you giving your time and your experience and and uh i loved hearing all about uh uh your your own adventures and it's brilliant uh, so if um yeah, everyone. Where, oh, yeah, Liam, where can people find you uh, on social media and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. Well, um, yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter as at Liam underscore Garrity. And actually, something I say to people all the time is when I somehow, you know, sometimes if I do a tweet that like gets lots of likes or something, I'm like, oh, these people have no idea that it's 90% Muppet content <laughs> like, <laughs> on my feed. You know, they're going to be in for a rude awakening. I would expect no less. <laughs> Listen, I really appreciate you coming on and uh, helping us out, Liam. Thanks so much. No worries. Talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Good luck. That was great. Thank God I got there. I, like it was great to talk to Liam there now because like here he's back oh no here he is here he is Shh, right. say nothing look at the state of him okay right Kevin how are you how I'm how's back. the how the bowels oh I feel so much better after that. I can't tell you oh my god Kevin you, lo- you uh, actually look like you lost I've hit my goal weight so that's something anyway <laughs> oh god and you know <laughs> listen <laughs> I was, uh, I'm really enjoying it because, you know, just the two of us, it's, this feels like, this is the way it's meant to be, you know, just us on the podcast, just chatting shit, telling stories, things that we should, shouldn't include in a, in a professional podcast. I'm, I'm loving it, but, um, God, where was I? And it's so great. Not to have guests. It's just, it's just, it's been wonderful. Just you and me, no guests. And uh, I mean, we've, I've really enjoyed having guests on the show, but for this episode, it feels great to just be ourselves yeah. and just not yeah. have to worry about, you know, accommodate another person. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I don't have the energy for it when I'm exhausted. Well, funny you say that now, because, you know, I did a long think about it uh, when you were away and I had to think about like some of my favourite scenes from Muppet films and stuff like that. And like, Oh my God, you did research. I'm, I'm thrilled. I, I've done a lot of research. I've done a lot of research. <laughs> like um, D- Dana, Dana Gould was a Muppeteer of Gonzo. And I, I, and I learned an amazing thing about Frank Oz. You know, did you hear about Frank Oz's recent interview where he talked about when Disney took over, you know, the Muppets? He kind of, um, he felt the soul was gone out of the characters because uh, they were kind of getting rid of the puppeteers. Well, 
Did you know that before Jim Henson died, he was getting exhausted, as I said, after the critical drubbing of Dark Crystal and Labyrinth, he was really feeling like he was missing the mark. And on top of that, he was doing a a, a number of TV shows to sort of keep the Muppets in pop culture. One of them was the Jim Henson Story Hour, which was a sort of an anthology show that was hosted by John Hurt. When people told themselves their past with stories, explained their present with stories, foretold the future with stories, the best place by the fire was kept for the storyteller. Love that. See, you loved it, but nobody saw it. So yeah. it was bombing in the ratings. It was the lowest rated Henson project out there at that time in the mid eighties. And also he did um did the Jim Henson hour that was sort of like a an MTV ish kind of reboot of the, the variety shows that the Muppets were doing. Was including animation and digital effects and what have you, and uh, it was four different concepts in one, and it was really messy and convoluted, and it wasn't working. Good evening and welcome to our show. Woof! Wait a second, you're not the lion. No, I'm the dog. I work with the storyteller. And that got pulled off the air, and it was one of the, f- the few times where something that they'd worked on was cancelled on them. Jesus. So, yeah. So Jim Henson thought, I need to to sort of streamline. The process, yeah, because everything was privately owned. At one stage, he took his own money by merchandising the the, the Muppet Babies and things like that. That he was able to buy back the rights to all of his projects. Yeah, so he bought back all the rights to the to the, the Muppet movie, to the Great Caper, to um to Dark Crystal, and those were fifteen million dollars and fourteen million dollars and, and what have Jesus. you. It was all his own money. So he brought in Disney. And Disney at that time were not, they weren't the powerhouse that they are now. They were still huge, but they needed... This is the early 90s. Yeah, the early 90s, late 89, 90. Okay. And Eisner was was a part of that, and also Katzenberg. And they wanted to sort of, um, to bring in a beloved property into the Disney fold and sort of give them back relevance. Because okay. the Muppets were still, as I said, there was 26 specials on TV. They were, they were hugely popular still. Mm-hmm. And he had a really difficult time sort of doing a deal with the, the Disney crowd, especially with Katzenberg, who was aggressive and rude and obnoxious. You know, Disney, the Disney company also wanted to take ownership of Sesame Street and he would not let them have Sesame Street. He felt that they needed their independence. They needed to be a publicly owned PBS, PBS yeah. uh, uh, you know, um, entity, which was just purely about educating children. It was not something that uh, could be exploited uh, like the way that the Muppets could be, yeah. for instance. And then he died and they didn't close that deal. So for 10 years, Disney and the Henson Company, their, their team of lawyers were negotiating and it was a really fractious 10 years of, of negotiations. Yeah. I didn't know any Which of that. Which is why you don't, have, you don't have a lot of the Muppet content on Disney Plus at the moment. Yeah. You've got some of it, but not all of it. So can I ask you, is that original Muppet show, is that available on Disney Plus? Because I actually didn't, I'd love to watch that. Is it, is it or is it... Not there. There's 120 episodes yeah. in total, but I think they're missing several episodes per season. Okay. And I'm not sure what the reasons are for those omissions. Music, maybe. Because it'll skip like, it could be music rights. It could be, um, it's more than likely music rights. But yeah, you don't have the complete collection. Can I, um, can I talk about my favourite? Uh, there's two things I want to talk about, but my favourite Muppets scene, right? But there, uh, my favourite Muppet film, which 
st- I think is still my favourite Muppet film going into it and now coming out of it is uh, Muppet's Christmas Carol. Coming soon on video cassette, Walt Disney Pictures presents a Jim Henson production of a classic Christmas tale. Ah, humbug. He's the world's greediest man. It's Ebenezer Scrooge. Until the magical night he meets someone extraordinary. Hello. The Muppet Christmas Carol. I'll drink to Mr. Scrooge, even though he is stingy and badly dressed. Humbug. There goes Mr. Humbug. There goes Mr. Grin. Do you think it's safe for us to be up here? If they gave a prize for being me, the winner would be him. Yes, Mr. Cratchit. If you please, Mr. Scrooge, the bookkeeping staff would like to have an extra shovel full of coal for the fire. Our assets are frozen. How would the bookkeepers like to be suddenly unemployed? It's Charles Dickens' classic tale. As only the Muppets can tell it. It's good to be heckling again. It's good to be doing anything again. Stuffed with holiday warmth and cheer. Just a season to be jolly and joyous. This is the movie to see, to share, to cherish with someone you love. Thank you for making me a part of this. Coming to video cassette this fall, it's the Muppet Christmas Carol. God bless us, everyone. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. I just gonna probably spoiling everything, but it's after rewatching no. the other films. It's you know the it's been challenged, but there's one of my favorite scenes from Muppets Christmas Carol has actually been cut. It's this is a very short episode. I mean, I've just come <laughs> back to the I'm already getting into. I, I know. I'm. I'm sorry, yeah, Kevin. Okay. Um, well, look, I just think we need to be a little bit more brief. We, a couple of our episodes were really okay. long, yeah, so yeah. I said let's well, just, a half hour let's episode. Cut to the I'm, chase. I'm for it. Cut to the chase, yeah, really. Okay. But um, all right, so we're, we've 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 skipped over ranking the films. We're straight into <laughs> favorite scene in a Muppet movie. Well, for me, and your pick, my, my well, my I my pick of favorite Muppet movie, like everyone else's, probably is Muppets Christmas Carol. But one of my favorite scenes, I've got two favorite scenes. Right, one of those scenes was cut by Jeffrey Katzenberg, which I've heard everyone. I've heard a lot of people say, what are you talking about? There's a musical number right in the middle of that film that actually doesn't feature. This is the Berenstein Bears moment of the Muppets where some people remember this scene being in the film and some people, like myself, had no idea that the scene existed. This is the, the, the Love is Gone musical number. That's what it is. Yeah, which I only learned about last year when they sort of rediscovered the, the actual, um, was it the master, the original master of the film, where they could include it now in high definition yeah, in the film? It's gas because I my first encounter with Muppets Christmas Carol was watching it at Christmas time on terrestrial RT TV. I recorded it. So all my, I, I'd watched that film many times with that scene in it. So it was it was released theatrically with that scene in it. But it was... Post fact that Jeffrey Katzenberg thought it was this scene. The scene I'm talking about is basically when young Ebenezer Scrooge is going over his past life and he comes to it. There's a moment where he abandons the love of his life and there's a musical number and a song called The Love Is Gone. And it's a beautiful song. Yeah, it's where she is saying that whatever love we had together, that love is gone. Yeah. Another year before our wedding, Ebenezer. But it can't be helped, Belle. How could we marry now? There's not even enough for a decent home. The investments haven't grown as they should. So you said last year? Business continues to be poor. You're a partner in your own firm now. 
and barely clearing expenses. He said the partnership was the goal. This is for you. I love you, Bill. You did once. And it's pivotal for the arc of that entire film because it is a low. It is a, 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 a you see the moment where he consciously gives up. Um, love uh, the character of Ebenezer Scrooge and once that scene is taken out of the film I really think that film loses some of its n- not its not that it's heart but it loses some of its edge and its darkness and it's not even dark it's just like it's a, it's a bit more safe and it's a pivotal moment in telling his story absolutely and to take it out and you're not telling the full story. It was Katzenberg. It was Jeffrey Katzenberg took it out because he thought it was too heavy and a bit too um, heavy for kid audiences. Which is like, hang on a second. No, it's not. The love is gone. The love is gone. The sweetest dream that you have ever known. The love is gone. The most interesting thing for me is the transition. And there is a very beautiful song during which it happens. That's my second kind of favourite scene. I'm going to bring it up because I think it's important that people know that scene is out there. Okay. But my favourite scene is, like in a lot of the Muppet movies, the opening scene, which introduces us to the world in which the yeah. you know is where we see all of the Muppets and it's the moment where we have Rizzo uh, no we have Gonzo who's playing the part of the and narrator Rizzo the Rat with Rizzo the Rat he's Gonzo's playing Charles Dickens and you've Rizzo the Rat and they're just not to interrupt you but there's a lovely lovely moment that most people overlook between Rizzo and Gonzo in the Muppet Christmas Carol and they sort of have this this hectoring back and forth relationship yeah where um they're like two little buddy characters but they have an argument and um, Rizzo, uh, at the end of the argument, to, to show his affection for Gonzo, he kisses him on the nose. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a lovely little moment. It's lovely. Just, yeah. It's so sweet. <laughs> and, and you know that that's improvisation. That's these, like, you know, you know that that's a moment that just happened on camera. Like, he just went, you know, and that's he just the- did it. It's beautiful, like. Um, and I love that scene because it draws you into this cozy, wonderful world where you see Muppets popping out of everywhere and, and, and on various scales, like regular sized Muppets, but then you see teeny, teeny, teeny tiny little mice Muppets and, and you, I don't know, it's so inviting and cozy and warm. And it's a kind of a consistent thing in all the Muppet movies. When a cold wind blows, it chills you, chills you to the bone. But there's nothing in nature that freezes your heart like years of being alone. It paints you with indifference like a lady paints with rouge. And the worst of the worst, the most hated and cursed, is the one that we call Scrooge. Unkind as any, and the wrath of many, this is Ebenezer Scrooge. Oh, there goes Mr. Humbug, there goes Mr. Grimm. You go back to the musical episode. It is the 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 table setter song. Yeah. It's the song which establishes this is the world. This is you know uh, where the story takes place, and this is the the vibe of of the world as we know it. It's lovely. It's such it. Yeah, Muppets Christmas Carol for me, I think, is a great film. Mm-hmm. Point blank, it's just a great film. 
but my favourite Muppet film oh. isn't Muppet Christmas Carol. Whatever. Shut up. <laughs> You've changed. I have. You've changed. Here's the thing that I have, right? I think the best Muppet movies are the ones that have a Henson involved. Right. So the ones that are directed by Jim Henson or the ones that are directed by Brian Henson. Mm-hmm. So Brian Henson did Muppet Christmas Carol. Brian Henson's the son of Jim Henson. And he also did Muppet Treasure Island, which is another cracking little comedy yeah. it's really well done and it's unique in that the Muppets are playing different characters to themselves whereas the other Muppet movies they're playing themselves Kermit is playing Kermit Miss Piggy is playing Miss Piggy but the only Muppet movie that Jim Henson directed is the one that I love the most out of all the Muppet films and it's their second film and it's the one that was a contractual obligation by Universal Okay, and the funny thing is, for a film that is a contractual obligation, it really feels like everybody involved is having a blast. And I got to tell you, I, I was watching it for the first time just a couple of nights ago, and I had to stop the film at one moment because I couldn't stop laughing at the moment when Kermit is about to go on his date with Miss Piggy, yeah. and Fozzie wants to go along with him, and they start having a song and dance number. Have I got style? Mm. Have I got taste? Mm. On someone else, I swear, this savoir faire would be such a waste. Come trust me, my And Kermit is so excited about going on this date that the way that the puppeteers worked Kermit, where he twirls, he spins around and he throws himself on the bed and he's wearing a top hat and tails. Yeah. And it was just the ludicrous nature of Kermit twirling and throwing himself on the bed. <laughs> that I was, I was just like these guys are fucking mental it was just and the fact that they were like they're chucking the fucking Muppets out of a bus that's speeding past and yeah. it's yeah. it's just so fucking silly and I was just in bits laughing but my it's my favourite Muppet movie it's not the best movie that the Muppets are in that's Muppet Christmas Carol for me yeah. but the scene that I absolutely loved from um the Great Muppet Caper, and it's one that you got to go back and watch because it is classic Muppets, is it's set in London and there's a moment where Miss Piggy sort of finagles her way into a fashion house as an assistant mm-hmm. and uh, she's sort of celebrating the fact that she's made it. She's on her way and Kermit walks in. He thinks he's there to meet um, Diana Riggs' character who is sort of the owner of this fashion house. Yeah. He misconstrues the situation and thinks that Miss Piggy is uh, the owner and she goes along with it. And he asks her out on a date and she bullshits him and says that she's living at a specific address, which is like 17 um, up Market yeah. Street or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and not wanting to, to lose face, <laughs> she has to sort of break into the house to answer the <laughs> yeah. door for when Kermit comes. <laughs> and it's a house that is owned by John Cleese and John Sanderson. And they're the two most boring <laughs> aristocratic couple. Weather. Awfully disappointing today. Is it? Is it? Yes. Mm. Yes, yes, I know what you mean. Uh. <laughs> Meanwhile, Miss Piggy is sort of scaling the wall, coming in. Kermit's ringing the doorbell. And I'll tell you the other thing that I absolutely love about just the dynamic of the, of the characters in that is that I don't know if it's true or not, but Christopher Reeve's portrayal of Clark Kent, for me, is almost a one-to-one imitation of Kermit. The, oh. the, the same sort of... Um, Gee whiz, sort of like, oh shucks, yeah. personality is Kermit. Like, I, I have to believe that when Christopher Reeve was thinking, how am I going to portray this sort of nebbish good guy, uh, 
that he looked at Kermit the Frog and said, that's that's who Clark Kent is. Because I swear to you, if you were to compare Christopher Reeve's portrayal in the Superman the movie with Kermit in that film, they're identical. It's the same character. Kermit and Miss Piggy, I, lo- I think, is a, is a really good <laughs> Lois Lane. Oh, Jesus Christ, I love this. You somehow have managed... It all comes back to Superman. Superman. Gee, I actually, I was amazed because we've gone a few episodes without referencing Superman. Actually, nearly this entire season. Because of the fucking guests. It's those goddamn guests. But you know what was gas? I was just telling Liam there. Who's uh, Liam? While you're on the tag, I was just talking to myself, right? And um, it's gas because that was my (laughs) favourite. Listen, just forget about it, you Forget about it. It's fine. It's fine. Um, but you know, um, I love that. That's my favorite scene from the Muppets, uh, the, the the Caper movie as well. I and I love it because in that movie they ex- they utilize cameos in a good way, where they're, they're not just like cameos for the sake of cameos, like just throwing Orson Welles in. And the gag is it's Orson Welles. Yeah, yeah. This is John Cleese is playing a character in the scene, and I. <laughs> And they find the two of them in the closet, and they're like going, and they're <laughs> yeah. they're trying to give them they're trying to give them recommendations for a restaurant. They just take it as a matter no, of fact. No, what happens is no. Kermit comes to the door, and he's got like chocolates and have you from Miss Piggy, and and he he's never been in a mansion before, and he wants to have a look around. And she's like, um, uh, uh, okay. She drags him in. They're trying to avoid the the couple who heard the doorbell going, yeah. and they're wondering who's at the door and what's going on. Who is that guy back there? Oh, just uh, some sort of servant. Mm-hmm. This, of course, is the drawing room. Mm-hmm. Did you decorate this place yourself? Ah! I'll just close the door. It's very drafty. Uh, there's a chair and some walls. A uh, whirlwind tour, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, we have hot and cold running water. Uh, there's probably a bathtub and everything. Uh-huh. Oh, here, I want to show you something. Uh, this is the closet. Sorry. They have to hide. Miss Piggy drags him into a closet and hides. And unfortunately for them, John Cleese opens the door to the closet and you just see these two startled <laughs> puppets, a pig and a frog, <laughs> looking up. <laughs> He's like, can I help you? <laughs> and she's like, um... Yes, uh, we need recommendations for... Because she starts treating him as if he's her staff. Yeah, and Kermit is like... <laughs> And he's like, "Well, this is a this is a good restaurant," and um, she's like, "Thank you." <laughs> they leave. It's fucking class. Uh, it's, movies are magic. Are you staring into the closet, Neville? Ah, uh, you uh, recall that pig I mentioned, the one that was climbing up the side of the hut. That's the chap. That's the chap. Yes, I seem to recall that. Well, he he was in there just now, along with a a lizard. I see. And what did they want? Name of a good restaurant. I told them the Dubonnet Club. That's more of a supper club than a restaurant. Yes, well, I tried to tell them that. Don't blame yourself. No. No. And you're talking about Kermit, right? Kermit is the true north of the Muppets. He is the one, when everything goes to shit, if Kermit's the one that they all rely on, and if Kermit loses faith... That's when things really have hit rock bottom in any of these stories. But but he rarely does. So here's the thing. There's another scene which I wanted to mention. But in terms of my best, but the, the moment where I had like the most fun was that scene. But there's a scene that I think we can't not mention about the Muppets. Yeah. Uh, it, it's in their, their movie, their first movie. And 
it's the one that sort of establishes who the Muppets are because they hit the ground running. They just sort of had this idea of the Muppets are trying to get famous. They're trying to be a successful vaudeville act, put on a variety show week after week. But the characters were sort of just dropped in and you got to know them as they were performing on, on that show. But the movie then does an origin story where you get to see all the Muppets coming together. Mm-hmm. And the movie opens with one of the most famous songs of all of the Muppets back catalogue of, of great music that they've put out, written by Paul Williams, and it's um, The Rainbow Connection. And they said, we've got to establish who Kermit is. We've got to, Kermit has got to have a soul that's present. He's got to be asking the big questions. And this is a movie all about asking questions, not giving you the answers, but the questions are, are sort of define who he is. And they said, well, what does he have? He doesn't have anything. He's got a swamp. He's got water. He's got the light refracting off the water. And they said, oh, well, rainbows. The lyrics of that song are really beautiful, but it's Kermit basically like his I wish song. He's longing for something. And then he says the most important part of the song to me, someday we'll find it. Otherwise, he doesn't have the answer. All he has is the question. And it's that rainbow connection. And as I was saying earlier about the puppeteers being the personalities for the Muppets and Jim Henson bringing together this, this family of friends where Frank Oz stayed with the Muppets long after he had established himself as a great director in his own right with Bowfinger and Dirty Rotten Scotts, like classic great comedies he was still coming back to do um, Fozzie and Miss Piggy and what have you years and years after because he had such a great affection and friendship with Jim Henson someday we'll find it the rainbow connection the lovers the dreamers and me I'm not done yet and that was true for a lot of the puppeteers but in that first film where they're establishing who they are it's sort of about them coming together this family of oddballs this is the philosophy that is in the song who said that every wish would be heard and answered if wished on the morning star somebody thought of that someone believed it look what it's done so far what he does in the song what what i think the song does what kermit does is he empowers the audience you as what you picture what you dream you can make it happen and the movie ends with a spectacular shot, 150 different puppeteers puppeting all of the Muppets, and they reprise the song from the beginning of the film, The Rainbow Connection. The end of the movie, life's like a movie, write your own ending, keep believing, keep pretending. They wrote a reprise to the song that ends the movie, where the Muppets are, are sort of shooting the fictional version of the opening scene with Kermit in the swamp, and it all goes wrong. The set falls down, the ceiling blows out, and a rainbow comes in and I'm going to get choked up again because <laughs> I think the song itself is a song it's just sort of a, a ditty it's lovely it's bouncing along and you're sort of dazzled by all of the, the spectacle of seeing 150 Muppets for the first time on the big screen all singing but it's the lyrics and it's the ethos of the Henson Company and it's the puppeteers that family passing something on to children that are watching and I think the lyrics are so good that I want to read them out to you. Um, Why are there so many songs about rainbows? That's part of what rainbows do. Rainbows are memories, sweet dream reminders. Uh, What is it you'd like to do? All of us watching, I'm wishing we'd find it. I've noticed you're watching too. Someday you'll find it, the rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreamers, and you. Life's like a movie, write your own ending. Keep believing, keep pretending. We've done just what we set out to do. Thanks to the lovers, the dreamers, and you. I'm really proud of that song because I think it actually catches the soul of the brilliant man that created Kermit the Frog. I think it's, I think Jim Henson is as much a part of that song as Kenny or I. I hope you like it. Oh, that's so I think that's really beautiful. It's just 
telling all those little misfit kids out there, find your tribe, just like the Muppets have. Keep believing, keep dreaming. It's all about the lovers, the dreamers and you. Beautiful stuff. Beautiful stuff. I think I can think of a better way to finish off. Is that the first time that I have ever got tearful on a fucking podcast talking about the Muppets, but they broke me. I think I'm having a breakdown, Will. <laughs> yeah, I we've gone through. Feel Season one, we had even best tearjerker scene, and uh, I, I've never seen you get this I close. I didn't cry once. I love it. I absolutely love it. Brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Like, I thought Liam brought everything I needed for this episode. Um. Who the fuck is Liam? I mean, no, sorry, 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 sorry. No, fuck. What? A, sorry, it was Podbot. Anyway, listen, forget about that. But jeez, uh, Kevin, you really Podbot. Have I missed something here? What the fuck is going on? Sorry, what? I was puking in a bucket. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know whether to uh, cry or laugh. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> done. Oh, well done. Well done. Well done. Well done. Life's like a movie. Write your own ending Keep believing Keep pretending We've done just what we set out to do Thanks to the lovers The dreamers And So we're going to take a little break again, but we have a few things I think we need to to share with people because we're not going away as usual. Christmas is coming up soon, and you know what? If you you ask Santi very nicely for maybe another episode of The Best Bits, he might come through for you. He just might. So, Well, no, there's a few of you out there who have been quite naughty. (laughs) Pierce Ryan. <laughs> Particularly, yes, um, and that Rocky Four commentary. He was incredibly naughty. Which is coming out next week because what we're doing is we're going back into doing the all the best bits commentaries. Those are some of the most fun that I have doing this podcast. The, the things oh, get loopy. Oh Jesus! I, I've never laughed so hard as on some of those eps. I do this podcast just so I can do the audio commentaries because yeah exactly that it's just we just go slightly insane just go we just we just go delirious at times we really do yeah and we're bringing in guests and we're going to mix and match them so we're going to have returning people that you've heard this season but also new people that you haven't heard but that's not all <gasps> there's more i don't believe you what <laughs> What possibly more could we contribute or, or give to the podcast first? <laughs> well, we're launching a Patreon that if you want to donate to the Patreon, we'll guarantee you that you get at least two extra commentaries every month with special guests, with returning guests, and some of them just by us. We'll even let it up to you guys, those that do subscribe, to pick some of the films. And we've recorded some of them. We've had a laugh doing them. And I can't yeah. wait for you guys to hear them. So we thought we would add that to it. Extra shows. Yeah. Because we don't work hard enough. It, and, but also the thing about it is it just helps, you know, um, doing the podcast, uh, we're doing it off our own backs, but there, there are costs that we're incurring um, just to make it happen. So even if we can cover the costs of making this show, it'd be, it's great. And we don't have those handsome movies. They didn't happen for us. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. 
So is this us? Is this us for the end of the... Are this we done? We're wrapping it up now for the season. We're wrapping it unless Santi brings another episode, but that's it until season three in the new year. And thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to everyone who's uh, given us those ratings and reviews on Apple and all the feedback that we've been getting is, you know, fantastic and it keeps us, encourages us to keep going on and, and to all our guests for coming on this season. Um, you know, it's been great having you all on. Thank you to everyone that's listened absolutely, this year. Absolutely. And Love more it. to come, I suppose. Thanks, everyone. The Best Bits podcast is produced by Will and Kevin. All audio clips and music heard in this episode is the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. If you have any notes, comments, scene suggestions, or just want to get in touch with us, email us at bestbitspodcast at gmail.com. And that was the show. We got our money's worth tonight. But we paid nothing. That's what we got. (laughs) Right, another season over. Thanks, X, for that. Cheers, Podbot. Thanks for all your work this season. I'm off. Jesus, all right. Whoops. Huh. Best Santa Claus scene. Huh. And here is a clip from the lad's latest mini bits bonus show. The full episode, plus 100 more, are available on their Patreon. Mini bits. Another new episode. Of this Patreon podcast. Exclusive. The best bits podcast will Kevin, how are you? Hi, honey. How are you? Oh, you know, I've got this. I've got my corns sorted out. I went to the Chiroptus the other day and uh, she Your said... corn? To, my corns. Did you, ever get, did you ever get corns? No. Did you know what a corn is? Yeah, it's a bunion on your foot, isn't it? Yeah, like in between your toes and stuff like that. Do you, do you not wear any shoes like around the house you walk no, barefoot? No, I, I, I wear... No, it's the opposite. GA shorts. It's the opposite. I wear incredibly tight shoes. Like those Chinese women oh. who get their feet bound, who had their feet bound, like, you know, before the turn of this yeah. last century. And so they had incredible corns and bunions. This is a great opener for a Mini Bits episode where we get people disgusted. Squally, it's episode 73 of the Mini Bits. <laughs> I'm Kevin, you're Will. This is yeah. our Patreon podcast. Thank you to all our lovely patrons. Yeah. A few of you have jumped in recently. I don't know what we said. We try to goad people into joining up every single episode and then every so often it's like a lot of people join because of one specific episode and yeah. I'm like what did we how did we say it what did we say on that episode that's different <laughs> to the other 270 episodes maybe it didn't sound as desperate maybe we said don't join maybe reverse psychology that's how we should do it reverse psychology don't join up to our patron don't it's <laughs> Cancel. You don't des- everybody you, cancel. You don't deserve to be in this group. We don't want you. We don't we like don't the look of you. you. 
we don't we don't need anybody <laughs> it's just us it's absolutely just us hey should we tell people we we did i don't know maybe we shouldn't say it on mike especially so early we did an interview with the irish examiner last friday we did yeah and uh, how do you think yeah. i how do you think i did I, I I think you did all right. Like you didn't interrupt me once. So I was <laughs> delighted with how I came across. But, you know, there's no sort of time limit on this. We don't know when it's going to get posted. One of our friends was saying, Kathy at the cinema was saying that their interview with, did they do the examiner as well? It was six uh, months yeah. before it posted. And, and the Guardian, I'm pretty sure. They were, they were profiled in the Gar- Guardian as well. Yeah, but we don't do any really promotion. Like nah. we don't do anything. Well, this is our first time getting any sort of like proper coverage, which is going to be mad. So um, uh, listen to all you listeners who have uh, found us before we explode. You're, 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 you're an OG. Bust. You're an OG <laughs> listener before Kevin starts getting gold chains from all his <laughs> Patreon dash. I think I'm more of a silver than a gold. I think oh, yeah. my uh, undertones suit more silver. But, uh, yeah. I just want to die. Those I, are my Prince Albert. <laughs> Your hat? <laughs> yeah. I Speaking want of, of which, I want one of those diamond studs in my tooth. That's all I want. So I can go bing whenever I'm on a call. Oh, uh, yeah. Bing. I usually just, you know, wink and like glitch. Yeah. Like a starlight twinkle. <laughs> Speaking of which, I interrupted you. What, what, we, what, did, what did you want to speak of? Which? Start the time. Oh! I forgot. You may as well. Start the timer. They, all, all these lucky losers are listening in and, and they're wondering, what are we going to be talking about? But we have to start talking about them after Yeah, we, we say goodbye. But look, I wanted to talk to you about, um, well, you've seen a few things. You've seen the new Godzilla film. Yes. I've seen the first Omen. Uh, I saw Scoop as well. That, oh, uh, we're looking Netflix forward to watching thing. that. Okay. Okay. I'll save my thoughts. And right. um. What else did I see? I made notes, but sure, it doesn't Jeez. really matter. I think I saw it. And I was going to go through all the summer releases and see what oh, takes your fancy. Okay, okay. I'm looking forward because I don't actually know what's what's on the horizon. So, um, I'm well, the Joker your... two trailer came out today. I saw it. Yes, I watched that. Hmm. It reminded me of Chicago. Yeah, it's kind of like you see. It's all very much in the mind's eye. It, they're calling it a jukebox musical. Am I right in saying that? I think you're right in saying that. So, like, hey, listen, uh, I, I actually, what it, what it did remind me of <laughs> was that I want to watch, rewatch The Joker because I saw it in the cinema and I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. It was a kind of a bold new direction. Uh, I'm just going to go back and watch the episodes from the Batman 66 show, the Joker episodes. Oh, yeah, that's going to be. Just to fill me in, like, on the lore. <laughs> get up to speed. Get you right up to speed. <laughs> And you'll be there going, where, where are all the guys in the purple suits with the masks? Where, when are they going to show up? And like, it's you know, a bit of a weird time though, where we have the Penguin TV show with Colin Farrell coming out, which is a totally different canon version of the Penguin. Then you have this offshoot of Joker, which is in its own universe entirely. Mm. And then you have the old Batman films that you can watch. Right, and, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's just I don't know. I'm kind There's of so many IP, but like this just everywhere. What well, what's happened is the world, the comic book world, has very much entered the the film world. It's where you could have different runs, totally different runs of a character by it's different insane. authors, and there would be totally different riffs on it and stuff. Oh, it's oh, this is the insane. thing. 
Kevin, so I'm only catching up on this. You mentioned it to me on a on a pod, on a podcast. Where was it on one of those? Uh, it was the last. Show? It was the last mini bits. Yeah, uh, you think. you said everyone's describing stuff as insane recently. And have you started noticing it though? Only, only, only with people trying to raise you. That's the only type, only where place where I've noticed people. No, people on Discord are trying to every, raise you. Oh my god! Oh my god! I could start posting though, like, um, tweets, comments, TikToks. Uh, articles, anything insane is everywhere. This is insane. That's insane. It's insane. There was a festival just going on about this insane lineup. Okay. I was like, oh, it's a mentally ill lineup. Okay. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's everywhere. And the other thing, do you know the other thing that's also bothering me lately? Wow. wow. And this has been bothering me for years and years and years. It used to be that everyone used to misspell definitely. They'd go defiantly. Okay. Oh, it's defiantly, whatever. They would just, they're morons. But no. <laughs> I just keep noticing everyone keeps spelling a lot as one word, A-L-O-T, a lot. Where has, where have they gotten into their heads that a lot is one word? It's the same way that people will write every time as one word. What's the one that you've, you've pulled me up on a few times and I can't get it right? Compliment. Compliment. I can't, (laughs) but I can't get it right. It's like the you I. Because I told you the other day. Yeah, and I went searching for it and I couldn't find it because I had to actually had to an, use it. If there's an I in compliment, it's yeah. I'm paying you oh, a compliment. That's a good way to remember it. Okay, good. And then compliment. I, I wrote that to you. But you did. And I went to try and find it because I was I would found myself writing the word compliments. And I went, shit, Kevin. But, I, but you, you gave me a thumbs up, which meant in my world that, yeah, I read that. Thanks. But I did, right? I'm talking about a couple of days later when I was faced with the exact same hurdle of writing the word compliment, I went, okay, what did Kevin say again about compliment? There's an I and the E. What did he say? So I went searching for it and I found it, I think. And I went, oh, the I is paying me a compliment or I'm giving you a compliment. It's insane how little you can retain information. It's insane. (laughs) Come here, let's start talking about what we watched. Come on. Did you start the timer? Yeah, it's it's gone. It's ticking. It's ticking down. The world's going oh, to explode. You know what? I have to put in the sound effect. I have to. I have to line oh. up all my sound effects. When you said start I the timer, like, I have a whole it's... fucking. I have a whole soundboard. Here. Ah. Okay. Jesus Christ! Where's my fucking? What? Where's my ding dang ding? Here we go. The timer has started. There we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Right.